Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's such a pleasure today to be here with Austin Herlihy, commercial real estate broker for Radius and an all-around likable good guy. I always enjoy talking to you about uh, commercial real estate trends, and I appreciate uh, you as a as a source. You know, you're, you're you're the smart one, and you make me look smarter in my reporting. So I appreciate it. Um, hey, Austin. Um, well, let me start off, Austin. How are you doing today? How's everything going in the new year? I'm great. Thank you, Josh. Perfect. Thank you. Hey, I want to talk to you because um, I've been writing about Lacumbra Plaza recently, and uh, I've been podcasting about it. And uh, people are really into this topic. They're really fascinated by what's going to happen with Lacumbra Plaza. There's this historic connection for a lot of people to that mall. It's been there forever. Uh, we already lost Sears. Uh, now I reported that Macy's is going to go away at some point once they could work out a development deal. Probably 2028 is is like when it would happen. And so I wanted to talk to you because you're an expert on commercial real estate. Now there's a housing component and a specific plan part of this, but I wanted to ask you, Austin, what's going on with Lacumba Plaza, and do you do you see this area as the future of housing? Do you see this as a housing retail center? Uh, what's it going to be like to lose Macy's? Let's talk about the plaza and your views on what is the future of this really, really important 31 acres in Santa Barbara? So I think, you know, the, the state of California is, is uh, basically said that they want to have a certain amount of housing in our community. It's called the Reina numbers. And I think that that location is a great site for the city to get a lot of density. <clears throat> and um, we're a little nervous about, I'm nervous about if the city doesn't hit their Reina numbers that it could really change our downtown and the state could come in and say, hey, look, we'd like to see 12 story buildings downtown. And, and as a real estate guy, obviously, you know, I love selling more expensive buildings, but I don't think it's the best thing for our community to have, you know, 12 story buildings. So I think that this site really is a great spot. I think that, you know, the big box retail is definitely um, a dying breed. You've seen it now with Macy's leaving downtown, Nordstrom's leaving downtown. So I think it's a great alternative. And I, re I read your article, I reviewed the plans. Um, I think that it was thoughtfully done. The two stories out on the uh, corners and, and out on the street, you know, really kind of protects that feeling of a canyonization. And then they really push their density up in the middle um, where I don't think it'll give that same sort of effect to the community driving down the streets. I also reviewed the traffic aspect of it and the streets going through the middle and so forth. And I think that that could actually help the traffic situation down there. I know that you're adding a ton of bodies and cars, but right now the upper state street doesn't seem to have a very good uh, traffic flow the way it is right now. Right. It's a mess. It gets congested up there very easily. I got to tell you though, and you're a dad, maybe you're not like me, but um, 
you know, a couple days before Christmas, you know, I'm inside Macy's, you know, and I've been inside Macy's a couple days before Christmas for, for several years. Uh, I guess the only change is I order online now and then just pick up. So I don't have to wander like a dummy all the way through, you know, up and down the escalator. Um, I think there's an emotional attachment that people have to sort of the last uh, big box kind of old, you know, 80s, 90s department store type in, in Santa Barbara. So I think people are kind of coming to grips with, hey, we're not going to have a Sears. We already lost the other Macy's. Uh, Nordstrom is gone. Uh, you know, we're not going to have that uh, big store store to go to. Part of the conversation with this project by Mark and Jim Taylor is the city wants to create a specific plan for La Cumbre Plaza. And that's a technical term. And so, you know, in short, uh, essentially they want to come up with a, a development agreement with all of the landholders there, all the the property owners, and come up with something that is clear in terms of what they're going to get out of it, what the developers can expect out of it, and it can be planned in a cohesive way. We've seen this in other spots around Santa Barbara. Um, it's it's a way for both sides to have more and less control. And with a big project and a big property, it seems to make sense. What do you think about the rest of the plaza? I mean, do you, do you think you'd like to see housing there and the rest of it? And does the city have a point of Hey, let's plan all of this together. Let's not do it separately. Well, first, um, I wanted to just touch on what your your first comment about Macy's. It's funny because my mother-in-law came up to me a week ago and said, you know, the Macy's is leaving. That's where I get all my makeup. <laughs> I can't buy this stuff online, you know? And so I, I heard it from her as well. She was like, you can't let Macy's go. But the reality is, is Macy's is going. and um, there's nothing, you know, anyone can probably really do about it. It's a, it's, it's a massive shift in, in what's happening in the world with retail. Um, as to the tailors and the specific plan, I agree with the city that, that there should be a specific plan. However, to get three property owners and the city on the same page is going to be extremely difficult and it's going to take a lot of time. And so I can see where the tailors are also saying, we don't want to wait for the Sears owner to figure out what they're going to do there. We don't want to have to deal with Mace Rich, which is a big, you know, publicly traded company, or I don't know if they're publicly traded or not, but they're a big REIT of some sort and try to make decisions with all these people, including the city, who doesn't make decisions very fast either. Um, so I, I agree with the city that, that there should be a specific plan, but I also agree with the tailors that I wouldn't want to wait around for everybody else and try to figure it out with multiple parties because everyone's going to be looking out for the best interest. Exactly. Yeah. No, you can't blame the tailors. I mean, they, they have a project, uh, they've submitted an application. They're ready to go. Obviously like, who would be like, sure, we'll wait. <laughs> that doesn't make a whole lot of, uh, economic and financial sense and they bought that property in 2021 and obviously it takes a long time you know uh, you know this it's it isn't as though yep. you just have the money in your pocket and you buy some big piece of property and then 
the next day you're getting a return on your investment, it takes forever. It takes years, you know? So obviously the sooner they could go, the better. There's a political issue there though, with the specific plan and the city and the way that uh, they are approaching it and their battle with SBCAG and the, the fact that there's this tension between Santa Barbara's planning process and also what money they could have had. They could have had $1.1 million from the state to help with a specific plan and that's sort of lost. So we're going to see how that plays out. It's not going away and the city's still going to have control over that uh, Taylor project. Um, They're still, you know, they're going to fuss about it and you know, they're going to nitpick and you know, they're going to do everything they can to, to exercise control because the other part of it is there's the other half of Santa Barbara who says, no, we don't want housing there. It's too big. It's too tall. It's, it's, this is going to ruin Santa Barbara. And so it's going to be a gnarly battle for, for several years on multiple fronts. What about the rest of the plaza, Austin? Uh, do you ever go to, you know, the the, the area in the middle uh, where there's a few stores there? There's a lot of salons now, and there's uh, art galleries. Of course, I go to that that go uh, game store. You know, every every holiday season. Uh, do you see the mall based separate from Macy's and Sears being vibrant long term? Can Mace Ridge keep it going? I think housing would help it. Mm-hmm. I think without the housing, I, I think it's it's not going to survive the way it is. And I think Maestrich would probably sell it if they could. <laughs> but I don't know that anyone's been that interested in buying their position. I know that it was under contract a couple of years ago, um, but that had fallen apart. And I got to think that, you know, Maestrich is trying to hold on to, to whatever value they think they they can get for it but my, my guess is the market's a lot different than what they think it's probably worth so in my in my experience i would think that putting housing like maybe that strip can survive and you put housing at sears and you put housing over at the macy's and i think that that would help it i don't personally go there i go there maybe to lure restaurant every once in a while i know my wife goes to bristol farms and and core power yoga over there but um no, I don't know really the last time I walked through the middle of the, the mall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Bristol Farms. I'm not even counting that side of the mall as the mall because they're, right. they're not going anywhere. That's like the good side. That's the <laughs> that's the busy side. You know, um, I guess going back to your housing thing, and then I'm going to move on to like other parts of the town is. I think there's concern that. How much housing is too much? And so the city is saying, you know, we can get up to 2000 with the, with a specific plan, but if we just allow the Taylor project to go through that 685, um, it sort of limits any more housing that we can get, because we're not going to really know how that housing is going to affect the community until we see it on the ground. And when we talk about those state pressures, do you think that the, it could come back to bite? Uh, the county and its arena numbers and the city by allowing too much too early when maybe you could have had a thousand really good units in that area that the community didn't hate as opposed to 685 that maybe a lot of people don't like I mean do you see any like maybe you need to take one step back here in order to take two steps forward 
Well, I think both parties potentially have issues, right? I think the city definitely has potential issues if the state comes in. And I think it's something that our residents don't quite understand is the pressure that the state is putting on everybody. And on one hand, people are complaining that housing's too expensive in Santa Barbara, that Gelson's is, is or uh, Bristol Farms is busing people in from LA because people can't find housing to work here or to, to live here and work here. And, you know, so we need housing. And if we don't do something about it, then the state's going to come in and they're going to start telling us what, what needs to happen. And I think that would be catastrophic to our community. I think we can do it in a responsible way that I'd rather see there be more housing on Upper State Street than um, downtown becoming, you know, a much different downtown. I'd like to see housing downtown, but I don't want to see towers downtown. I don't want to see 10-story buildings or whatever it is, right? Mm. I really, I think that the Lacumbra Mall is a good place to make a serious dent in the rain of numbers and show the state that the city's really trying hard. I think the Taylors have some risk by you know, obviously going in early here and, and trying to force the, I don't want to say the word force, um, but I think they're, they're, they risk, you know, getting a lot of backlash from the city and the community. And um, however, the, when I reviewed their plan, I thought it was pretty thoughtful uh, as far as how to get the density and, and to not canyonize the streets and so forth. So maybe there needs to be a little bit better explanation to the people, to the community itself as to how they designed it and why they designed it and so forth and, and what they had in mind to, you know, preserve the feel of the community to, to A, hit our more housing numbers, but B, do it in a thoughtful way. Yeah. And I think that's one point that I agree with, um, with, with anyone on is, in terms of the Taylor project, the Taylor project, the public relations outreach for that has not been very good at all. Um, because the only way we know about it is through an SB CAG meeting that nobody pays attention to except me and Nick Welsh. And we're writing about it in the context of the political dom- drama of Doss Williams bashing city planners, you know, and, and it's like, that's a great story because Doss is a former city of Santa Barbara guy and he's a total pro-government guy and here he is bashing his former allies and friends and so that's the story right but lost in the middle is it's odd you know the 685 unit should have been like a hey we're gonna do a community meeting on this project or we're gonna go to the council we're gonna tell you about what it is and uh that's how you get out front you know when you think back of Cottage Hospital and their rebuild 20 years ago it's like oh think of all those meetings they had and it was always hey we're at the beginning and you're going to be a part of this right and and that's what you have to do with the community you can't do things sort of back in privately because then you lose control and here you go you know now it's this fight over lacumber plaza but let's let's shift gears we talk about downtown and stage well hold on hold on one second so you can't be surprised that uh politicians are are blaming other government groups for this and that, right? I mean, that, that's been kind of par for the course for, for everyone. And I, I think, you know, 
the tailors are pretty sharp people. I would, I would think that they're probably going to have some sort of outreach at some point where they can explain it in a better way would be my guess. I, I would be surprised if they, they didn't, but um, I'm sure right now they're just trying to, you know, get it in front of the city and, and get initial thoughts from their standpoint versus the community yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I called it, I call it Mark. It's Matthew, Matthew Taylor. Yeah. It's Matthew. Great, great guy. I mean, he is definitely the kind of guy you want as the face of this kind of project. Cause he's, he's really cool and can explain it, explain it really well. Uh, but you know, I guess he's learning how to unveil a project <laughs> in Santa Barbara because things can go right or they can go haywire really quickly. Uh, downtown State Street, are things getting better there? Uh, there's all this talk about the promenade, the outdoor dining that seems to dominate everything. The 500 block, are we seeing uh, fewer storefront vacancies? Uh, how bad is it, Austin? Is it getting any better? <laughs> it's not getting better. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing will get better until there be there be, it's some sort of resolution with the mall. I know that the uh, lender on the mall went out for offers to purchase their position in the mall about a month ago. I don't know how that shook out. I don't know if they've selected someone, but I don't see State Street, at least the you know 700, 800, 900 block changing until there's some cohesive ownership of that mall mm-hmm. in a plan. Yeah. And I think honestly, if there was just a plan and the city said the city and some developer got together and they said, this is what we're going to do. I think you would see a huge change right away. I think people would start coming in and saying, I want to get in now by lease rates are, you know, 60% off of what they were in the prime time of, you know, eight, nine years ago. And I think you'd see a lot of cool local businesses wanting to get in there before everything started to take shape. But as of now, I've heard nothing. um, And I don't think anything's really going to change. The one thing that has changed is this AB 2907 uh, regarding the parking near transit stations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think you wrote an article about that, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. That's not going to help state street because (laughs) what it's going to help is the funk zone and you're going to see the funk zone, which traditionally had a lot of use issues based on parking because they're all traditionally built as industrial buildings that industrial buildings are parked way less than retail or, or office or, you know, or different in other uses. Right. And so now all those warehouse buildings down there can be restaurants. They can be gyms. They can be office space without any parking constraints. And I'm a believer in that the funk zone doesn't really need parking. I know some people disagree with me, but I think that most people that go down there will take an Uber or ride a bike or something along those lines and enjoy themselves down there and and come home because it's easier than going down there and finding parking. And so I think, you know, for a restaurant to be successful down there, they don't need four per thousand parking. People are going to come. Whereas like if you're in Goleta and you have no parking, no one's going to walk there or probably Uber there or whatever. You need to have parking in a, in a situation like that. And State Street has had parking because of the zone of benefit and all the downtown parking lots. And so all of State Street is, 
has not had any parking restrictions <clears throat> for many years for use. So I think you're going to see a lot of new businesses opening up in the funk zone. I think the funk zone is going to probably ignite quite a bit here in the next couple of years. And until the city and some developer gets selected to transform Paseo Nuevo, I don't see any change. Right. Yeah, this is a theme here. These politicians are, you know, maybe they're the problem, you know, not doing anything, <laughs> uh, doing too much. And all of a sudden the state comes in and says, well, if you're going to do anything, then we're just, you're just going to have to live with it, you know? So uh, wasn't there some talk about how the bank took control of Paseo Nuevo and they were looking now for buyers? Um, nobody wants to buy it. Is, is it too expensive? It's, it's too in a, too much of an investment or too much uncertainty? Or what, what have you heard about the fate of Paseo Nuevo? I know that there have been offers made. I, I haven't represented anybody in making any offers on the mall, hmm. but I do know for a fact there's some groups that uh, I, I currently have the 801 State Street for sale, which is where the old Brat House used to be. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is right in the middle of the mall. And yeah. so I've been contacted by a couple different groups that I know had made offers because they're interested. If, if obviously they bought that, they would want to probably buy this building and so forth. <clears throat> so I know that there's interested parties. I just don't know whether they've been selected or what their plans are for the, for the project. I know it's complicated because I think the city has a, you know, 35 year ground lease or something like that. And I don't know that the city I think I heard from someone, I can't remember who it was, but can't really sign a ground lease longer than 50 years. Something along the lines of, you know, some sort of jurisdiction within the city that they can't sign ground leases longer than that, yeah. which changes the financeability of doing a project there. Yeah. Most long-term big, you know, large development projects like we did the, the right property down there. They're 99-year ground leases. The, the oh. Hotel California, when we did that ground lease, was 99-year ground lease. So right. it gives somebody a lot longer runway to <clears throat> depreciate their asset. And uh, I think a 35-year runway is not probably enough for a lender to to get behind. So the city's so like... The city the may have... The city's going to have to probably change their tune a little bit and offer up a longer ground lease and hopefully they can get something in return. I mean, I, I, from what I understand, it's, it's not a very lucrative ground lease that the city had structured the ground lease because Macy's was going to provide something like $17 million a year in sales tax. Mm -hmm. And so the ground lease was super cheap and they were going to make it all up on the sales tax. And I think they did for a long time. And I think it, it, probably worked out really well for many years but i think now you're seeing that uh there's no income no sales tax and a really low ground lease so seems to me like the city could find a good developer that they trust and want to work with and offer them a longer term ground lease and probably get more ground lease income coming in yeah it's going to take some that makes too much sense though <laughs> yeah that would make too much sense i was about to say it's going to take some uh somebody at city hall to 
to do that or you know some elected to sort of take the lead and we know that's not going to happen so uh good luck with that uh all right, let's let's move on. I want to talk to you about the whole hotel craze. Last time we talked, you, you were mm-hmm. you were talking about how it's a really good time to get into the hotel business, to invest in them, to buy them. Whereas everything changes, hotel owners can fluctuate their their rates, you know, and so you can kind of charge more. And it's a good investment. Locals are going to want to take trips to Santa Barbara, even if the international market is down. Uh, are we still there? What's going on with the hotel trends? So, it, you know, hindsight, the the time to purchase hotels was, you know, right after the pandemic because we saw a massive push in average daily rates <clears throat> and we saw a lot of tourism and you, you can see it by just what people are charging for hotel rooms in Santa Barbara right now. I mean, it's, it's really, really expensive to get a hotel, even, a, you know, halfway decent one is is pretty expensive the thing that's changed the most in the last nine months is interest rates oh, okay. and the way that uh commercial real estate is sold is based on cap rates and cap rates aren't factored with debt but once you start putting in debt you have what's called a yield and if you're borrowing at two and a half percent then you know buying something at a five or six percent five percent cap rate has positive leverage right so now your your returns higher than your debt service now you're talking six six and a half percent debt so that means that the return on the real estate has to be at a much higher level so what would maybe been a five percent return needs to be now a seven or seven and a half percent return for people to make sense with the debt because you don't want to have negative leverage you don't want to be borrowing at seven percent and buying at a five percent does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> therefore, therefore, the values now are going to have to go down. And so that's what's happening across the board uh, with commercial real estate right now is the interest rates are our biggest challenge. Um, values were, were set at 4 and 5% cap rates when interest rates were at, you know, 25 to 3.5%. And now with the massive push in interest rates, the returns are have to go up, which means the value of the properties are going to go down which is really unfortunate, so, but it is kind of what it is. So we're not at that place that we were, were before. Okay. Um, what do you think of this hotel going in where the Scientology building was going to help well, state street? Yeah, I think it's a great hotel, but, but going back, the hotels are still doing really well. So anyone that owned a hotel and, and had good debt put in place in the last, you know, three years. Locked it in. Is, yeah. It, is looking really, really good. The problem is selling hotels right now. And so I think, you know, a lot of the people don't aren't interested in, in selling at, at 20, 25% discounts off of where it was a year ago. Right. Yeah. So going back, sorry, back to 524 state, the former Scientology building. Um, yeah. I walked that hotel maybe like a month ago with the owners and, uh, it's a, it's really cool. It's very hip. Uh, it's got r- small rooms, which I think everyone kind of expected. And it's, it's very similar to the Indigo hotel that we had sold a, a year ago with the kind of the European style rooms. But I think in that location, it'll do, it'll do very well with that type of room. I don't think people 
that want to stay there are wanting to sit in their room all day long. They want to park their bags and sleep there, but mm-hmm. get out of, you know, on the town and, and have some fun. Mm-hmm. What are they like two to 300 square feet or how, how big are these hotel rooms? Are they, they're small? Or? Yeah, I, I don't, I would say most of them are under 300 square feet. Under 300 square it's, feet. It's pretty much a, a bed and a bathroom. Right. Yeah. And some room to walk in between. Okay. Yeah, well, it's going to open up soon. So, you know, everyone will be, be checking that out, you know, when they roll that out. Uh, the lobby's beautiful. The, mm-hmm. the fire the pit. views are really nice. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, roof, yeah. it's pretty cool. It was, it was very, I think a lot of thought went into the design of it. And I think the community is going to be pretty impressed with it. I think there's like a bar downstairs that'll be open to everyone. And it looks pretty hip. It looks like a fun place that I'd like to hang out. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely saw those those uh, renderings, and they look great. You know, we started Austin talking about Lacuma Plaza and how Macy's has to go just because it's, you know, probably getting a really really low lease there to even be able to survive uh, in the first place. You know, they're not making what they were making in the eighties, nineties, two thousands, and we have a mall that's sort of shifting to. Exp- experiential type of stuff you know like um the the salons that i I mentioned and the galleries and the restaurants but if you come out to galita and you go to the camino real marketplace that place is packed all the time it's happening it really is what that that center is but so what's the difference what's going on well i think i think there's a couple things i think um that that a lot of people drive out to Goleta from Montecito, from Carp, from everywhere to go to Costco or Home Depot, right? So that's a that's a big draw. Those two anchor tenants. I think the city of Goleta doesn't really have a downtown. Old Town's not somewhere where people hang out, and that center has kind of become the downtown of Goleta. That's where people go to have dinner. That's where people go to do stuff go to the movies, et cetera. And so, you know, for lack of a better word, that's their, that's their downtown corridor for, for retail. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, I live out in Galita with the, the movie theater, you know, it's the Starbucks, it's the Los Agaves, uh, everywhere. Like every one of those businesses, I think, except for Alta Beauty, you know, I've been inside. <laughs> in that mall. and i think they're all doing pretty well yeah i think the center is 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 very successful i've i've met with the owners a couple of times with different tenants but they've done a really good job of mixing in local tenants and um and they've all i think been pretty successful the seas candy left downtown in paseo nuevo to go to Galita and Camino Real. We'll see how long they last there, but that's that's bold. That's a big deal right there, you know, to say, hey, we'd rather be out there. How much of it, Austin, is just better management? Um, we know Mace Rich is not a local company, but how much of it is just, hey, we're managing Camino Real in a very active way, and we're making sure we're, we're bringing in the right tenants, so we're monitoring it, it's not working, we're looking, uh, we're thinking about what works best for the community. Is, does that play a role? Yes. 
I think it's kind of more of a strategy, right? So uh-huh. if you look at the Camino Real, it's really kind of your daily service stuff. Yeah. It's not, you know, before Mace Rich had like Tiffany's and, you know, all the different J Crew and all that sort of stuff people are buying online. Right. But I think that you go to Camino Real and it's usually for entertainment or restaurants or things that people go to on a daily, you know, daily to go for whatever their needs are. Right. And, and I think Costco is a, a massive draw. I think all the students go there. I think, you know, anyone from Carpinteria up goes to Costco. So it's a pretty successful center. They've done a good job. Yeah. You do have the families who live out here and the students who live out here. And then, like you said, the commuters who come out to Costco and uh, Home Depot. And, you know, you got Ross Ross out here. And that place is super popular all the time. You mentioned Old Town Goleta. Um, I grew up here. Old Town Goleta looks a lot like it did when I was a kid. The city of Goleta's changing the parking there. And I'm not sold on that's going to do anything other than be sort of a use of, you know, grant money. But, you know, when I'm downtown, I'm looking, I see the radius commercial signs. I see the Hayes signs, Jason Yeager signs. You know, I see all kinds of commercial real estate signs. When I'm in Old Town Goliath, I don't see very many uh, commercial real estate signs. And so obviously it's a, it's a different kind of flavor out there. It is busy. It is popular. I mean, if you go to try to park there, you can't, you know, and, and, and Santa Cruz market and all the little uh, stores that cater to the local community are usually really busy. Would you call Old Town a success through that lens? Why is there not more investment into that area to bring some other kind of kind of storefronts there? Well, I think there's a couple things. I think that uh, there's a lot of little properties there and there's not any ownership that owns a large piece of it where they uh-huh. can make a significant change. Um, whether it's a success, it's a success in some people's eyes. It's probably not a success in other people's eyes. I mean, yeah. it, it It's a success in the standpoint that doesn't look like there's a ton of vacancy there. Right. It looks like... Uh, the community uses it, you know, but it's mixed with there's auto body repair next to this or that, or it's not a a big mixture of, (laughs) right. And so I think if, if someone ever could, could buy enough of it, I think it could be pretty successful. Yeah. Cause if you look at like the center across the street, I'm I'm blanking on it right now, uh, or across Uh, the freeway where the Tobes, yeah, the Tobes group owns all yeah. of that. That's all been very successful uh, from what I can see. Uh-huh. And I would think that if Galita had a a main drag where, where people wanted to be and cool, unique retail down there, I think it could be a big hit. But I think until somebody can get a big enough portion of it and kind of start the change, the snowball, so to speak, <laughs> it's probably not going to change. And then then I think the other thing is the city of Goleta from my experience in, in, in seeing things within the city of Goleta, it's a relatively new city. Yeah. So they don't have 
a lot of systems in place like the city of Santa Barbara has, you know, they, they, there's not a lot of precedents that, that they, they can go off of. And, and they're kind of trying to find their way as a, as a government too, I think. Yeah. And so I think that probably plays into it a little bit. Exactly. Everything takes time. They're still for everything's the first time. And so and they're going to narrow the four lanes to two and add some parking uh, as a temporary project and see how that works. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But you're right. I mean, Camino Real, it looks like Disneyland some Friday and Saturday nights is the parking lot is just jam packed, you know. And so um, it's just interesting to look at the different different trends but um austin i really go ahead the city the city could do things to to change it though right i mean if the city came out and said it's funny how most of these local governments are so afraid to be pro development but if they had come out and say if you buy a property on on uh in old town galita and you want to rehab it and and change it and so forth and put some money into it then, you know, we'll get you a building permit within um, three months. Yeah. If the city could be proactive in that way and make it so that people felt comfortable coming in and, and spending money and, and developing or, or repositioning existing product, I think you'd see a lot of guys coming in there. But I think right now the feeling is, is that the city just really doesn't know doesn't have any precedents and doesn't really know how to be pro-business. Yeah. Well, you know, I worked at the San Jose Mercury news for two and a half years and uh, you know, they could just look there. They just talked, you know, because uh, it's a different area, but like, like the redevelopment of East San Jose, um, you know, they do something as simple as a facade improvement program, you know, where they allow people to say, Hey, if you do this, We'll give you money for this and it'll look better <laughs> if nothing else. But we do have examples of larger city governments working with the businesses to make invest, allow them to make investments into their properties with the ideas that um, they have some government assurance through the planning process. And so uh, we don't really see that. The other, the other side of it is, do they even do those do those owners want to change? Are they kind of just good how they are? You know, I don't know if you you probably don't come out to Galita, but you know, one of the most popular restaurants here is Pepe's restaurant in, in Old Town. Mm-hmm. And they they had to close because of the fire, it closed like a year and a half or something, maybe a little longer, but two years they closed. And when they opened up, it's like you didn't know they were like it was so busy, it's so jam-packed, mm-hmm. you know. So I think for a lot of these restaurants it somehow works and it may be everything they need and they don't really care what the rest of the facades look like or the infrastructure you know so it's it's interesting tale of two cities you know yeah i i agree with you i think you know maybe maybe it does need to just stay the way it is too it's it's been i mean compared to state street it's kind of a success right now (laughs) there's way less vacancy the city should figure out a way there is way less vacancy for sure. And, and every time I go to Old Town Coffee, I can't park anywhere. And, and like, there's nowhere to park. So you have to park on Hollister or park it in the neighborhoods and walk in. And it's always jam-packed. So people are figuring it out somehow. 
City of Galena should do some like, you know, little marketing or like put some little lampposts out there, like Old Town Galena, like like Santa Barbara has, or something that at least draws a little bit of like do they hey, have a farmer's market? Galena, Old Town does not. The farmer's market is in Camino Real. That would be a great yeah, I that would be a great thing is to have a farmer's market and maybe, you know, a concert afterwards or something like that just to draw people down there. Yeah. Those are just little things they could probably do to make it more successful. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how it goes. The district elections, you know, that's a, we, uh, we're going to end where we started, which is criticizing politicians for slowing everything down. So um, <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, Austin, it's always a great pleasure to talk to you. Uh, appreciate you, the, the no BS that I get from you. Just sort of, this is how it is. And I know because... I'm in this industry. So I really appreciate you sharing it from that perspective. So thanks a lot for your time. And I'm sure we'll do it again soon. I'd love to. Thank you, Josh. Always a pleasure. All right. Thank you.